everybody, and welcome to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Chris. And, and it's September of 1991. And it's official, we have three horrendous movies. <laughs> I know, 11-year-old Kevin might have liked Freddy's Dead. No. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> you know, there's always time to discuss. And, you know, last week we might have recorded our longest episode ever. This week might become our shortest episode of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty mind-boggling for the month, too. End of the summer, you do expect some blockbusters to come out. Not I, I think it's like Kevin said, though, like 1991 was, so far, it was seven, eight months of just greatness. We had at least one amazing movie every month, and now we have a giant heaping pile of dog shit of a month. So I'm going to kick it off here at number 11. All right, The Indian Runner. This is a drama that earned $191,000. You know, not a lot of money earned here, but the premise and the people involved, it's really surprising. So this movie is about a Vietnam vet that comes home to his small town and finds himself in conflict with rules that his brother has vowed to uphold. So basically, this is, you know, a Vietnam vet comes home and he's having PTSD and it's the struggles just of surviving. It's directed and written by Sean Penn. Uh, this is the first of his 15 directorial credits. Uh, and But, you know, he hasn't done much real directing. He's directed a whole bunch of music videos, which is, that just seems so odd because he was already Sean Penn when he was doing this. And I just don't understand what Sean Penn is doing directing a Jewel music video because that's something he did. <laughs> Well, I was completely unaware of his ties to El Chapo, so I couldn't, I couldn't comment on that. <laughs> so he point-breaked it? Was he, but he wasn't undercover. He was just Sean Penn going... <laughs> <laughs> trust me trust me uh, i don't even know what to say about this right now well yeah he directed a jewel music video i think that's odd but anyway 
So there's more about Sean Penn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is she one of the Bush people? Mm-hmm. My God, I just like was joking. A <laughs> hundred million? <laughs> Why does Jewel have a hundred million dollars? All right. Do you remember the rumor that everyone heard about Jewel? That, that she had swallowed so much cum that she needed her stomach pumped. <laughs> I thought it was Brett Michaels. I think <laughs> that's definitely Brett Michaels, bro. That wasn't Jewel. <laughs> I'm telling you, I heard this about Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Should I, all right. Should I keep talking about this movie? <laughs> Be finished. I don't even so know. Sean Penn directed the Indian Runner about a Vietnam vet who comes home with PTSD, basically. All right. This stars David Morse. He's from Green Mile, The Hurt Locker, Contact, and 12 Monkeys. Vigo Mortensen, of course, from Lord of the Rings. Valeria Galino from The Rain Man and Hot Shots. And everyone's not favorite, Patricia Arquette from True Romance. <laughs> I, I don't like Patricia Arquette. Oh. Also, Charles Bronson and Dennis Hopper in this movie. So, like, my point is, there's a lot of star power in this movie. And for only to earn $191,000, that's just mind-blowing. Anyway, so this was Charles Bronson's last movie that wasn't a Death Wish movie. And it's loosely based on Bruce Springsteen's song, Highway Patrolman. I did a lot of research this week. I believe you are, yes. Yeah. Okay. I've heard of him as well.
That's a lot. I wish you hadn't read all that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he said it was the script was unfinished. Well, obviously that's suicide. Like what the like I come into this podcast like missing a couple of notes and like it's a it's miserable. I can't imagine trying to write like make a movie without a script. Like, Scripts, what? It's good enough. I'll make a movie. Eh, we'll figure it out. We'll get there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he just showed up. It'll work out. It'll work out. I can't imagine this going well for the director with Hackman being there because, I mean, he, for all intents and purposes, like, from what I understand, Hackman's a very serious actor. Like, he, he's not, he doesn't want to deal with this nonsense. All right, coming in at number nine, Living Large, a comedy drama uh, grossing $5.5 million. An aspiring TV journalist, Dexter Jackson, Terrence T.C. Carson, heads down to a local crime scene to meet his industry idol. But in a bizarre turn of events, the reporter is killed and Jackson suddenly finds himself asked to step into the slain man's life. In order to achieve his dream of becoming an anchorman, however, Jackson must make some difficult decisions. The director, Michael Schultz, uh, he is the uh, original director of the original movie uh, Car Wash. In, uh, is he related to Charles Schultz? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. He does have 113 directing credits. That was the only movie that kind of rang a bell because I know they redid Car Wash um, in the last 20 years or whatever. That's it? That's all you got? That's it. That's all I got. All right. It wasn't worth much research. All right. Coming in at number eight. Rambling Rose, earning $6.2 million. Rose is taken by the Hillar fam to serve as a 1930s housemaid so that she can avoid falling into a life of prostitution. Rose's appearance and personality is such that all men fall for her, and Rose knows it. She can't help herself from getting into trouble with men. Daddy Hillier soon grows tired of Rose's rambling ways. All right, so this movie is directed by Martha Coolidge, who... She's got a lot of directorial credits, but Real Genius is the only movie that's really stood out to me. Um, Kilmer? Yeah. Love that movie. So the important thing about this movie is it's starring Laura Dern and, Di and Diane Ladd. In case you don't know, that's her mother. Laura Dern is Diane Ladd's daughter. In this movie, they were both nominated for Academy Awards. And it is the only instance of a mother daughter being nominated for academy awards in the same movie so yeah worthy but also i learned from doing research on this movie that laura dern and gina davis are twice eskimo sisters so <laughs> what does that mean all right so if you've never watched the league <laughs> but they're uh, twice eskimo sisters so <laughs> bang the uh, same dude twice no like they have two two different dudes right wow. so lord uh, gina davis was married to um jeff goldblum as well as rennie harlan and laura dern uh well she dated both of them <laughs> yeah <laughs>
Sounds amazing. That's awesome. People hate that movie, though. People hate that movie. I was going to say. <laughs> Kevin's the leader of hatred of remakes. Good. Sounds like it was worth a watch. Okay. Coming in at number six, Late for Dinner, a drama sci-fi grossing $8.6 million. Two young men, one in need of medical attention, are cryogenically frozen in the early 1960s. The two are preoccupied with the fact that the police are pursuing them to realize what they're doing. The next thing they know is that they're stranded in a strange new world 30 years later. Is this Austin Powers? It's something, man. <laughs> it's The director, W.D. Richter, he has some good credits. He wrote The Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He produced The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which... Um, Yo, don't, don't even ever watch yeah. that movie. You want to talk about a piece of shit? I want to watch it so bad because... Uh, I know you guys watched it because of Ready Player One. Yeah. We, we tried that. We tried it. <laughs> the rabbit hole I shouldn't jump into? Yeah, it's not worth it, bro. You never get that uh, time back. He also wrote Big Trouble in Little China. Oh. Which, you know, that, that's a good movie. A.A. Mill. <laughs> old school, man. It's old school. All right. So coming in at number five is Paradise. So this is a Disney movie, apparently, or at least it's from Disney Studios, I guess. When I was looking for this movie, I couldn't find it at first. I had to like really search. And then finally, I found the IMDb link for it. But like you couldn't just type it into IMDb and find this movie. It was really weird. So this movie earned $18.6 million, starring Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson. Uh, they played, <laughs> exactly, they play Lillian Ben Reed, a young couple torn apart by a family tragedy. It would take a miracle to rekindle their love, and a miracle arrives in the form of their summer guest, Willard Young, played by Elijah Wood. Well, you got the cast. That's it. But this movie is directed by Mary Agnes Donahue who I just want you to know, wrote the number three movie of this month, Deceived. 
All right, well, there's that. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Before you go on, is there a movie called Unnecessary Roughness? Because that's definitely the movie i'm thinking of no that you're thinking of uh the replacements first of all i love the replacements so back off My God. <laughs> Wait, Jason Bateman was acting at this point in time? Like, yeah, I had how no young idea. Was he? <laughs> no, I'm not. I no, have no man. I love Jason Bateman. I just had this no idea early. he was working yet. That's all. All right. So like the top three movies, the bottom eight movies are pure fucking trash. <laughs> Not a one. Besides the Keanu Reeves movie, I might want to watch that. But besides that. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. There's a few movies in here that had potential, but clearly they missed the mark. So, I, wow, this is tough to talk about. hundred percent. This is not fitting into the '90s motif on which we have established this podcast. <laughs> Coming in at number three, Deceived, grossing twenty-eight point seven million dollars. Adrian Davis enjoyed her work. Why would anyone ever want to cover these little guys up? Loved her husband. I don't know what I'd do without you. You think of something. Adored her child. How are you doing, honey? Good. She thought her life was perfect. I love you. And I love you. Until a coincidence made her wonder. You know, the weirdest thing happened to me yesterday. I was with Charlotte at the Chesterfield Hotel, and she told me that she could have sworn she saw you go into the lounge there. Now there are questions she can't answer. You didn't go to Boston, did you? Suddenly I'm a liar. Mysteries she can't solve. They discovered a fake necklace at the museum. We traced the forgery to a jeweler in Stuttgart who said the necklace was made for a guy by the name of Daniel Sherman. Evidence she can't deny. You had his business card. I found it in your suit pocket. What else am I lying about, Adrian? What else? Suspicion she can't escape. A man with a social security number that your husband claimed was his died 16 years ago. Until there's only one thing she's sure of. I don't know who you are. Yes, you do. I'm your husband. Nothing is what it seems. Now we're all fair game. I'm going to ask the police to reinvestigate Jack's death. This complicates everything. We don't know who your husband was. 
Who knows anybody else, really? You know what I'm thinking? What? How lucky I am. Goldie Hawn. John Hurd. Deceived. I watched this movie last night, and um, I was curious because I'm sure I want to know Kevin's point of view on this movie. I'm really curious. I watched this movie a week ago, and I'm so miserable that I did. <laughs> there wasn't a second of this movie that was even remotely well acted. You love saying that. It's been almost two hours doing nothing when the movie's an hour and 40 minutes long. That's, that's what I was curious about. What, what, 20, what extra 20 minutes did you get? The bonus footage? <laughs> Director's cut. Bro, it felt like it. It felt like a three-hour movie. It did, but it was an hour forty. Like that should be an enjoyable movie. And what was the point of this movie? Let me tell you. I thought the point of the movie was not bad. I think what they did was it was the whole premise of the authentic authenticity of the Egyptian jewelry that this guy was doing. The kind of sidebar that made it less entertaining. I think they could have had a better kind of hit he could have had a better job that might have drawled you a little bit but it has some good points to it i'm not going to hate on this movie here's here's what made no sense about this movie and you're gonna hate and i'll on explain this movie. it to you the whole premise of this movie is that the wife is deceived right that's the premise of this movie Obviously. he's not he's doing a long con he's not really who he says he is he's pretending to be this guy who works at a museum so he can steal ancient artifacts however What's the purpose of dece deceiving the wife? What's the purpose of having multiple families? None of these things tie into his scheme of stealing millions of dollars worth of jewelry. <laughs> All right. So this movie stars Goldie Hawn playing Adrian Saunders and John Hurd playing Jack Saunders. Uh, this movie... I, I really struggle to give you a plot. I mean, what's the plot? It's deceived. The wife is deceived by a husband who has multiple families and steals jewelry. Is it interesting? Is it? I've what purpose does it serve? Mm -hmm. She's fifth birthday, right? So at, at least, yeah, all right, whatever. He's a psycho. Felonist. 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 Making his own death. 
murdering but his best don't friend. Don't you understand <laughs> that he's been doing this the whole time? The escalation of this, all these events is because he got caught. It starts off with the guy right. authenticating, authenticating, thank you, the that Egyptian necklace, and he boils it and realizes it's fake, and that's where everything snowballs. He's been conning this girl. But hold on, he's wait. playing the long game. He boiled the necklace? He put in an acid, and it goes... Psst. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. He realized <laughs> that it wasn't real gold, and that got, that starts it all off. That's the snowball. He was playing a super that's long fine. game. And he, that's all fine. Hold on. Hold on. That's all fine. That's great. But why is he conning this woman? Like, you gotta understand purpose? he's also crazy. He's a psycho. Right. No, 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 I get that. But you fix this movie. You fix my anger with this movie. I, I still won't like the movie, but at least I won't be so angry about it. You fix my anger with this movie. If all you have to do is she, what does she do? Her job is to, uh, what's the word when they fix up old art? No, no, not just curate. She's like, she's not a curator. She's like a, uh, no, there's a specific word. What do they what do, what do they call that? They she don't someone, know someone. restoration. Yeah, she, she restores, restoration. She does restoration on old artifacts, Correct. right? That's what she does. But she's in the same so realm you, of, of the same job he's in. That's fine. Yes, exactly. So to make this movie make sense, all you have to do is make the reason that he is like swindling her is that he needs her to fix something or he needs to use her somewhere in the line of his art stealing scheme right but they don't they don't he doesn't use her for anything um, she serves maybe, no purpose in his but why theory. does it have to have that kind of purpose maybe he would have stayed married to forever if the scheme because there's kept no working. reason for him to fake her He likes to play a role. He likes to play a role. He took the identity of his friend. He took now he's playing that role. Then he marries this girl. He's playing the role of the perfect father. He even has a whole uh, talk about didn't I be the perfect father? Wasn't I perfect? And she doesn't need to be then she doesn't need to be in the world of art then. None of that matters. That's how they met. Goldie Hawn. Exactly. Exactly. I think they allude to the fact that he traveled a lot. He was moving all the time. He was away for months at a time, weeks at a time. I'm not making excuses for the movie. You just love to tear movies apart. When I was watching this movie, no, I, I don't want to say it was a great movie, movie but I, I was enthralled in some parts. I got sucked into some parts and I was entertained.
Yeah, there were parts that were entertaining. I'm not going to deny that. But and there was some great twist in the movie. You're the, you're the, analyzing the, the, every the little holes. nuance no, of the no, movie. No, this isn't every little nuance. No, this is this is a major, major, major plot hole. Major inconsistencies in this movie. This isn't minor nuances. A lifetime movie. Yep. All right, I'll I'll agree with you, but yeah, like you're saying, when you were watching this movie, you can't tell me you weren't in your head going, "Oh, was it this guy? Is it this guy?" I thought it was the best friend on the background the whole movie. I'm like, it's got to be this guy. He's playing a shady character. Why is he the best friend? So I believe that slowness of the movie you're talking about was trying but to the build title, the anticipation of the twist. The, it was an M Night Shyamalan bust. You know, he they were trying to do these all these twists at the end, which were good. When the twist happened, you were like, "Holy crap!" That's cool, but it dragged. I get it, but you can't tear it apart Here, and say it's a piece of shit. Here's where I'm gonna argue. Here's where I'm gonna argue with you, though, because I I wasn't questioning who it was at any point in the movie. They very clearly made the the husband a creep in from the second he appears on screen. Number one, number two, Goldie Hawn's the main character. Number three, the name of the movie is Deceived. Who else is deceiving her? <laughs> okay all right i watched it late like, i didn't I read that connection the right? the it was like 10 o'clock at night when i started this movie no i refuse to play this movie. nothing i agree Yeah, and I got to tell you, I, I do have a best scene, by the way. Do you want to hear my best yeah, scene? I have one, too. So my best scene is when he crashes the car, because I was really excited. <laughs> thought he was dead. Right? But, then he was, <laughs> but, then, but then he was alive, so I was sad again. But then the car exploded, so I was happy again. <laughs> but in, hold on, but in, the, but in the end, he was really alive, so I was sad. But then he fell down an elevator shift, so it was <laughs> then a happy so I actually had, <laughs> yeah, I actually was. had the car scene as my worst scene because it made no sense. Who the hell was driving it? If he crashed, he said there was, he said there was a bum in it, but who was swerving? Who was going back and forth when it flipped? So who was driving it? It didn't make any sense. The car crashed. That's what it didn't make any sense. It was driving for a while. He made a full turn around the corner, hit a couple snowbanks, <laughs> then went over. It's like. All right, so how about I got a best scene for you, and then we can get rid of this movie because you hate, hate, hate. Um, when she finds out that Jack, who's John Hurd, her 
deceiving husband is still alive and she finds him at her, his real mother's house and you're like holy crap he's alive what's going on and he kind of alludes to the fact that oh maybe he's not this bad guy and then he walks out of the room and you see his mother you know suffocated in a plastic bag so you had a bit of a a, a, a emotional roller coaster right there like oh he's alive oh he's oh he's not the bad guy and then you're like oh oh shit he just killed his own mom Uh, this, the acting in this movie was atrocious. Everything was stiff. Everything was robotic. Nobody, nobody. <laughs> but didn't it just seem like everyone was just, hello, how are you? It's nice to see you. Goldie Hawn was yes! Goldie Hawn. Was Goldie Hawn. Yes! She, didn't, she played herself. Was... No, but Goldie Hawn sucks. So it does like, I mean, it, what's that point? I'm with Kevin. Yeah. It was what was happening. And John Hurd's not good in anything, but oh, on. Yeah, his dad. <laughs> yeah. He, you know what, you know what else? He's in the Sopranos and he's shitting the Sopranos too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You know what? He was a good piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, worst worst role. Well, hold on, worst role. John Hurt yeah. is the worst role. Yes, Goldie Hawn's a very close second, and everyone else is right there for third. She's, She's a baby. <laughs> Leave a little girl alone, Kevin. Stop hating on everybody. She's a baby. There. Yeah. The only quote worth right. mentioning. O yep. Only quote. Yes. Yep. That's it. I, I had the same it. quote. Oh, that's it. Let's Moving move on. on. Do not see this movie then. Fine. <laughs> I'll never see it again, but I enjoyed the ride. No. 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 I was forced to. No, I would not recommend the movie. I was forced to watch it and I forced myself to enjoy it. The, so there. <laughs> but don't do that. <laughs> Yes. I'm up and I feel like you gave me this movie on purpose <laughs> coming in at number two Freddy's Dead The Final Nightmare earning 34.8 million dollars as a boy he was always different no one understood him you ready Time to take your medicine. Thank you, sir. No one could control him. <laughs> Go inside, honey. But now, it's a new beginning. The beginning of the end for Freddy. Every town has an Elm Street. <laughs> Screaming while the bus is in motion. It's your mind to go for. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little soul too. Oh, yeah. We're gonna have to hit him with everything we've got. Now I'm 
fired with power. We're in Twin Peaks here. What's with kids today, huh? Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. Great graphics. They saved the best for last. This isn't a movie. This is not a movie. I don't know what this was, I don't know what dude. the fuck this was. This wasn't a movie. <laughs> Can we for the first... Hold on. Can we just stop right now? The only thing worth mentioning in this entire movie... There's two things. I'm sorry. Two things. One, Brecken Myers' first movie. Okay. Maybe we can mention that. Two, Johnny Depp's cameo was fantastic. (laughs) Outside of that, can we just move to the number one movie? We got to talk about how bad this movie was. All right. You you do have Robert Englund. England, Kevin, sorry. Um, Who has been Freddy Krueger in every movie. And then, yes, uh, Chris uh, mentioned you have Brecken Myers, who we uh, know from being Josh and Road Trip. And um, he was Travis and Clueless. It was his first movie. But everyone else is a nobody. Rachel Rachel Talala. Um, oh, yeah, she did Tank Girl and then went directly to nothing but TV for the rest of her life. That tells you Why something. Why does everyone that Eric talks about was in Tank Girl? I, I, right? Tank Girl. <laughs> and then their career was ruined shortly thereafter, right? It was Tank Girl <laughs> and then you're for shit for the rest of your life. Go do some TV crap. It's for, yeah. No, it wasn't the first ten minutes. It was the first hour and twenty nine minutes. Was utterly confusing and pointless. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Like, were they awake or were they asleep? No, I don't no. know. No, but the, even the parts where they were supposed to be awake, it was like they were asleep because the, the townspeople are that crazy. That was weird, All bro. of a sudden, Roseanne, real life was Roseanne made bars by... there all of a sudden. Well, let me ask you this. Were you guys into these Freddy movies when you were younger? One, two, three, the originals. The, number one. Number yeah. one. That's it. No. I, Nightmare on Elm Street. I was it. into all of them, and I think the last one was Dream Child. was like the last kind of end of the good run. And, and I can't tell you, I don't remember them that well but i don't remember them being anything like this there was no background to anybody or where anything was coming from That's what I'm saying. No, that, that's what Chris is saying. You didn't know whether it was dream reality or just the movie. And, and not because they didn't and not because they didn't want you to know, just because you couldn't tell. Like it wasn't it wasn't done on purpose. You just didn't know what the fuck was going on. Correct.
All right, but this part, no, 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 because this part is fine. It's the town. It's where Freddy's whole story started. Well, I mean, in the end, she is Freddy's daughter, so. But, but yeah, where's the connection? <laughs> But, but talk about the town, too. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, in the original Freddy's, it was a normal suburban town with regular houses. And people were just living their lives. And, and these kids, I think Freddy was going after the kids of the parents who originally killed him or something right. like that. Right. What but was this also town? wasn't Fre That's the whole thing. Wasn't Freddy's character the reason was because, like, they thought he was something that he wasn't, so they... They killed him, and then he was getting his revenge. Not that he was an actual. Oh no, no. Killer, he was a bad guy, and the town suit. took the justice into their own hands and burnt his house down and killed him or something. Yeah, uh, and he was coming back to kill the kids of the parents that killed him or something like that. Okay, so I. I but like you said, this town where they pull up into where the carnival's going on, everyone looks, I didn't even know what it was. It looked like it was a crazy dream, but it was actually real. And then they made it even crazier by having Roseanne there. And Tom Arnold. And Tom Arnold. Where did that come from? I miss Tom Arnold. He was with Roseanne. He was the guy with Roseanne. Uh, unless you... Unless you talk about Johnny Depp being in the in the TV commercial with "This Is Your Brain on Drugs," that was that was good. All right, well, good point. He was the, he was the kid eaten by the bed. That's. Great. Better, you mean? I think the only reason this movie made any money is because it was riding on the coattails of the originals and people went to see this and they, they had to be Obviously. Just confused as we are. She wasn't a kickboxer. She was like a, like a homeless kid in a shelter and she was just working out on her own. Can, no. can, can that we, was like us when we were kids and we would hit a punchy bag and think we were like Bruce Lee. It was hard. She just... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Because she, <laughs> that girl had the best line in this whole movie. <laughs> I can relax you with these two fingers. I'll punch your, I'll punch you through your heart. Mess up these seats. <laughs> Oh, that was the best line. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'll punch. I'll, I'll punch you with two I'm gonna fingers. I'm going to say it Go again. Ahead. I'm going to say it again. I can relax you with these two fingers. I'll punch you through your heart. Mess up these seats. Yeah. <laughs> That's one sentence. 
No, he doesn't just no no, he doesn't just collect souls, he eats no. the souls. <laughs> Apparently, and now he can inhabit bodies, like what's that called? Possess yeah. bodies and then go into the real world. I um... I think it was because that was the whole point of it, that girl being his daughter, is because if if he got with her or near her, he could leave the dream world. There's, I think that's what they were going with, but it was so... Well, that was the end, how they kill him. Well, wh what was with it being so slapstick? Everything was a joke. I don't even think that there was maybe one second this is... of this movie that was that was scary at all. And every horror movie gets to this point, right? Like every ser horror movie series gets to this point. But yeah, but like, again, like, but that's what makes it bad. That's why I didn't want to watch it. None. Yeah, bang them out. It has to be Freddy because I mean, without the movie, it's I mean, not I guess, yeah, because everything else is terrible. All the, the all the kids, no, the kids were awful. I disagree. I disagree. The therapist or psychologist, whatever oh, she Maggie. was, she was, was yeah, Maggie yeah, was oh, bad. Boy. She was in my nose, is possibly the worst because she's the she's the second lead and she did nothing for this. Movie. I agree. Oh, yeah. Oh. I I will say, though, like, he didn't poorly act the role, but it's not a good movie, and it's not a good role. So it's like, how could he be good? He can't. He was the one that understood the was... dream psychology, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I got to be honest, like I, I was like really thinking about it. I'm like, how does Brecken Meyer have any career after this movie? Like, because like that's what I'm saying though. Like, how does anyone watch this movie and think, you know what? Let's give this kid another chance because he didn't do anything deserving of another chance. Yeah. Which was the my worst scene. <laughs> Do you remember that scene from this movie or that scene that's been probably played out in a, in a million other movies? <laughs> but I don't understand how any of that even happened because how was Freddy affecting the real world? It didn't make any sense. But then arguably in this movie, they were asleep for 90% right, of the Because movie. they were definitely awake. She was driving and going, yo, what, like, where are we going? I was, exactly. And then I was like, wait, is this Freddy with Inception? Because yeah, like, it's a dream within a dream. Yeah. It wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. I'll just. 
The, okay, the, best scene was the one scene I thought was maybe leading this movie into a scary movie is when the kid that couldn't hear, he's in the dream and Freddie's chasing him and the, the nurse or something comes at him with, with the Q-tip and she starts jamming it slowly through his ear. I'm like, all right, here we go. This It was early on too. It was one of the first dream sequences. I go, here we go. This is going to be a scary movie from this point on. It's not going to be a piece of shit. And it instantly unraveled to a piece of shit within seconds after that. You mean what? When Freddie goes, good to hear from you, Carlos. <laughs> like right afterwards. <laughs> okay. See, that was my worst it's scene. Like it, uh... That was my worst scene. Well, no, no, well, the the power glove was good, but then he's going, and then he's the kids are in a video game. You go bouncy, 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 bouncy. It was awful, bro. It was such a joke. I thought that's he's not that, wrong. And then all of a sudden, Breckenmeyer's Myers in the real world being a yeah, yeah, he's bouncing character. around like a, I was... thought that was the worst scene. All right. Kevin, I'm, I got to take your role right now and just say, we have to be done with this fucking movie right now. Okay, Jack, we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, it's Monday morning and I'm Jack Lucas. In the world of talk radio, Jack Lucas was king. Look, I said I want an offer, they can forget it. To stay on top, he did whatever he had to. Forgive me! But one day, Jack went too far. It was Mr. Lucas's offhand remark that seemed to have fatal impact on Mr. Malnick. No matter what I have, it feels like I have nothing. Yo, what's going on? And just when he was about to give up on his own life, <laughs> he stumbled into Perry's. Unhand the degenerate and remove your presence! I like New York in June. How about you? You know who I am? A hood ornament. No. I'm a knight on a special quest. A quest. And I need help. You're out of your mind! Yes! Now, Jack has to do something he's never done before. Isn't she a vision? I'm deeply smitten. Help someone else. I thought that if I could get him this, uh, this girl that he loves, things would change for me. Let's do it right here. Let's go to that place of slender in the grass. And this is Perry. Perry. Perry, Perry. No, just Perry. Huh? Like Moses. <laughs> I think they were made for each other. <laughs> Scary, but true. Sometimes, to find yourself. I'm the janitor of God. You find some pretty wonderful things in the trash. You have to risk it all. Bingo! I'm not doing that. Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges, The Fisher King. I love it, guys! All right. You may not like it, but there are good things about this movie, at least. Like, unlike the last two movies, 
this movie has points where like someone tried to put a movie together here. It's not like Bridges. Bridges. Well, Wait, two actors that are phenomenal dragging on a movie that was crap, but you know they they carry it well because it's who they are. Yeah, I guess I can see that because, like, really, what was the direction of this movie? Like, where were they heading? Uh, yeah, Jeff Bridges uh, playing Jack, and Robin Williams playing Harry, and Amanda Plummer playing Lydia. And you had Mercedes Rule playing Anne. Uh, so she was uh, Jack's girl. Uh, sorry, Jeff's girlfriend, the second girlfriend, the one after he like loses it all. Oh yeah, that's true too. Um, and yeah, let's hear it. I'm just confused that you have a Mercedes Rule story. <laughs> Okay, along with other celebrities, so... Plug. Why? <laughs> and now we're talking about a movie that she's in where she plays some weirdo girlfriend and... I don't know. I disagree. All right. So I really like the character uh, Jeff Bridges plays, Jack. So he's supposed to be this like shock jock, crazy lunatic human being, like so self, what's the word? Self. Uh, he's like a Howard Stern. Of he's so sure of himself. He's. He's Howard Stern, but like he's more of a jerk than Howard Stern. You know what I mean? Like he he, but he's just okay with being a jerk. Like he's, he's accepting of it. He's confident in himself, and I think his character is the only one that you actually see real growth from throughout this entire movie. So I, I thought Jeff Bridges did a good job, Chris. I, I think agree. Jeff Bridges himself did an amazing job, but I'm talking yeah. about just the character right now. So you have this guy who's a piece of shit, right? He accidentally leads this man to open fire in a in a club and kill seven people and himself all right so jeff bridges is a nighttime radio show host a shock jock he's constantly just taking calls random calls and one night this guy calls in and says i, I found the love of my life and he says be careful guy because these women they trick you they're just trying to take everything from you don't believe them. whatever so this guy interprets that as, oh, I should just go kill this woman and everybody else around her. And Jeff Bridges feels so unbelievably responsible for this. It's the first time in his life that I can feel from this movie that he feels responsible for anything and he takes ownership of. And you see it because Jeff Bridges, like I'm not the biggest Jeff Bridges fan. I don't dislike Jeff Bridges. I'm just, I'm just not the biggest fan. But in this movie, I could feel the levity of his character. I could feel the transition from 
dick to, oh shit, I fucked up. And that was a good scene too. When he that, sees the news report on the TV at home, he's all hyped up about, he's about to get the new gig of his life, but he's going to be part of a big TV series. And then he sees this newscaster say, this guy blew the, you know, shot everybody. You, it, that was a very powerful scene in the movie. Right. And so what this leads to, and you later find out is that this totally derails his career, but it's not because people don't want to hire him anymore. It's because he can't do it anymore. You know what I mean? It's not. So to say that the girlfriend is the only real character, I disagree because Jeff Bridges character goes through real turmoil. That is all on him. It's not the outside influence. It's he was a dick. He was okay with being a dick, but it got so real that he had to bail on his entire life. Yeah. Well said, Chris. Now, Robert Williams' character, this is where I really have a lot of trouble because as amazing as Robert Williams is, this character was just... I, I, I get it, what they were trying to do, that he's lost his mind because his wife was one of the people killed by this person oh, who had called Jack, right? And she was killed in front of him. And by the way, that's the most brutal murder scene I've ever oh, seen. That scene is insane, by the way. Right, wife. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing. Like, Robin Williams was a successful professor. He was a very intelligent man. But that whole moment, because seeing his wife killed right in front of his eyes not just killed right like big that was chunk too that was a big chunk in his mouth almost yeah spoiler yes. spoiler alert that's my worst scene of the whole movie because i didn't need that much brain <laughs> it was like scalp stuck in his mouth but go on but so like i get what they're trying to do and he's all these demons and they and it manifests as actual demons in his mind and he creates this whole scenario where he's on a quest for the holy grail because he's completely lost his mind but it's just like it doesn't land i i i i, I too much i didn't i couldn't connect with that character at all like because i know where you were going i know what you were trying to do but it just didn't land Before, yep. Right, and it's, there's no, right, exactly. There's no context. Like he's, that's just Robin Williams. That's his character. That's Parry. There is no other character. It's just Parry. And I'm rooting for him. I want him to get the girl, but at the end of the day, him being crazy is the character. Right. As much as we all love Robin Williams, um, I feel like sometimes he needs to be directed. He, I think the director had no control over him whatsoever in this movie. He just, you be Robin Williams. Maybe even this part was writ for a Robin Williams character and he just went off his rails like Robin Williams can do.
Yeah. So just to go back to that quintessential Robin Williams, I have the whole quote here. And it's just, it's a back and forth. So it starts with the girlfriend and she's like, I don't feel very well. And he says, well, no wonder we just met, made love and broke up all in a matter of 30 seconds. And I don't remember having the first kiss, which I think is the best part. Listen, it was so very special to meet you. Me too. But I think you should shut up now. I'm not coming upstairs with you. That was never my intention. Oh, you don't want to? Yeah, I do. I've had a heart on you for the size of Florida. Like, <laughs> like that's Robin Williams to a T. Yeah. You're right, which is Robin Williams, right? Like, like, like you said, it's quintessential. Like that was the best Robin Williams moment you got the entire movie, which is why I had to go back and write that whole quote. And it's like, but where was that the rest of the movie? Yeah. Um, and again, it's not, it's not that I didn't like what Robin Williams was doing. It just didn't, it didn't mean anything. See, I disagree. I'm, I'm going to disagree. I was very invested in Jeff Bridges' character. Yes. But that's what they wanted. I think we covered it all because like we're, we're all on the same page. It's just, it's a movie that we understand where they're going, but what was it's, it missed it. It missed it big time. And there are good parts and they're enjoyable parts, but overall it just was not a great watch. <laughs> a little too soon for this. And the person who's playing Lydia, like she nails that quirky, crazy, like, like behind the scenes woman who just gets getting pushed under the rug, right? Like she was great, great. And she, she was funny and she was whimsical. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like, yeah, quirky. it's just very quirky. Right. But like, they didn't put it together the right way. It's definitely a little bit of both here. We already spoke about it a little bit before. My best scene was uh, when Jeff Bridges is, you know, it's after he's at home. He's he's practicing his lines for his audition for the, the role in the television show. And he's going, forgive me. And he's saying it like over and over again, a whole bunch of different times. Like you kind of feel excited for him. He's getting this big break and he's all excited. And then all of a sudden the news comes on. And he's on the news and he thinks this is a good thing, right? Because they're talking about him. And then it's like, well, because of what you just said, this guy just went and killed seven people. And he just, his face drops, the emotion changes, the, 
I thought that was the best acted scene in the entire movie. And like I said before, I never knew Jeff Bridges to be that good of an actor to really make me feel the things he made me feel. Um, my best scene, I had two, I had two. I, I like the scene where Jeff Bridges is climbing the, the, the castle as it is where he's looking for the Holy grail. You know, he's got the grappling hook and, he, and in my head, he's climbing this building. I'm thinking, what if somebody, what if somebody looks up and as he's climbing the building, he goes, thank God no one looks up in this city. I thought it was a good scene. I was kind of enjoying the whole kind of breaking and entering part of the, the movie. I thought that was pretty good. My other scene was when they're walking to dinner. Um, right before the blind date at the Chinese food restaurant and Perry's talking to the, his love interest. And, and as he's walking, he sees a pile of garbage with a liquor bottle in it. And he just subconsciously grabs the liquor bottle. He starts to open it and Jeff Bridges smacks it out of his hand. Like, you know, you're not a bum right now. You're, you're trying to smooth this girl, you know, get out of being the bum right now. And I, I, I like that scene too. Yeah, that's good. He's stapling it. <laughs> yes, yes. Like hundreds, hundreds of staples. On the quest. Yeah, right. And it's a part that too, like there's no reason for it, right? Like what what is the point of the Holy Grail quest? Like where did that come from? Because if you gave us some sort of background information about his character before you went crazy that okay, he was a nerd or he was into... Well, they into they did give a little background to they, it because he was an English professor and he was obsessed with this one or he liked this one book, which was about the Holy Grail. They showed right. the book in his, in his it's thing. Not, but it wasn't enough. But it didn't fit. No, I'm agreeing with you. It didn't fit, but there was a connection. And then, which we didn't even talk about, the, the, the director, Terry Gillum. The only thing he's known for is Monty Python. And the, and, Holy Grail, and, yeah. and the Holy Grail and that red knight that was in this movie was cut and pasted directly out of a Monty Python uh, movie. It was that that's kind of where this whole Holy quest came from. It made no sense, but you can make a little sense of it by who the director was. Oh, I'm not saying it made sense. I'm just saying that's where it comes from. Well, he directed the Holy the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, so. 
I mean, that is such a, you have to be in a certain cult for that to be a cult classic, which I'm in. I love Monty Python, but most people do not. No, you can't. You can't. There's not a Monty Python that ends even coherently. They're all, he's like, he gives up after like, but 20 minutes left of a movie, he goes, "Eh, let's just end it this way. I think if my, we did, we did best role, a best scene. I mean, we didn't do, I didn't do my worst scene yet. Uh, the guy singing to Lydia at her job, the, the one bum that he hires and is just like in drag. I didn't, yeah. first of all, what did you like about it? Because it served no purpose. It doesn't fit into the movie at all. That's fine, but, but it doesn't, well, it, that, that scene doesn't fit like all these other things that don't fit into the movie this is the thing that fits the least so all right fine. he was just another bum that he met yeah it didn't fit fine and but there I, was also a scene where jeff bridges like sees him and he goes i can't believe i'm associated with these people so well there's also kinda, a scene later on in, when- right when Jeff Bridges becomes a dick again because he gets his job back yeah. and then he just yes. ignores the guy. Nice guy. He's, trying, he's a redeemer. He's trying to redeem himself. See, well, th- that only proves that's the direction. Like, because yeah. why are you? Because why, why, why are you going to take away all the good that Jack has done in the movie just to have him be a dick again, so we can have another arc of him needing to become good again? Like, right? And he became a I dick way too fast. I don't put that on the actor ever. Right. All right. You convince me. You convinced me. I, I I like it now, actually. <laughs> uh, Kevin's worst role. scene. No, he no, did his Kevin's worst scene. My worst scene. Oh, uh, my worst scene might have been the double date in the Chinese food place. I, I like the I, double date. Yeah, it had its points, but it was it. They made it almost like a montage, which I know you guys love, but the montage didn't make it any shorter. And it just kept going. And, you know, I got the point it was making that he's quirky, she's quirky. This is how they're having a connection, but it kept going. And, and that you know, was all right, fair, fair. It was too long. It was too long. Just 
just belching and slurping and dropping food and picking food up off the floor and eating it. And yeah. I guess, you know what? It's a fair point to make that we already established that they're quirky people, right? We don't need the point of the dinner scene was showing that Robin Williams was making her feel comfortable because she, he knew she was going to drop the dumpling. So he dropped the dumpling and he knew she was quirky and he was trying to make her feel maybe comfortable, but it, it was just, it was too much and too long. All right. Fair enough. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah. I love Robin Williams, but the role we're talking about role, like, See, I have her as my worst role. Agreed. Agreed. And it could have been played by any car- any person, any actress, didn't matter who it was. That role is just... Sure I can, because I thought Jeff Bridges did a great job with his character. I thought, like I said, he put actual emotion to his character. He, he sold me on that person. Like... Sh- No, but I'm not saying that she played, she did a poor job. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, right, but I didn't give her, say, worst actress. This is why we changed this to worst role, right? We didn't, we, we, we purposely did that because it's not that what she did was bad. It's that the character has no depth. There's no depth in that character. She doesn't do anything. Sure. Tell, tell me, what, what purpose did she serve? Sure. So she's a she's a doormat. She was a girl in love. But how is she a moral compass? She didn't do anything. He just realized the the wrongness of what he did. She didn't force him to do that. She didn't guide him. To do she that. was a, she was a doormat. Sorry. I thought. She, I think Mercedes rule is a fine actress. I think she did a fine job with this role. I think the role itself needed more. That's what I think. Sure, she was a fine, fine.
my worst role was actually uh, Lydia, not worst actress, worst role, because they're following her around the whole time. And we're like, oh, wow, she's book literate. She's smart. She does these things every day. And then you meet her and she's just this disheveled mess. And I, I, And he, had, he didn't know any of these qualities. He just knew her as, you know, do the same routine every day, getting her coffee, getting her book. And then you meet her and she's just this, I don't even know how to See, say these it. Are, these are more compelling arguments for, for, for you to get me to change my worst role than arguing why hers was a good role. Just saying. So besides the line Robin Williams threw about being as hard as Florida or something. <laughs> It's when uh, Anne and Lydia are sitting there and Anne's doing Lydia's nails and Lydia reveals that she's lived with her mother for like a really long time. And Anne just goes, if I had to live with my mother that long, I'd stab myself six times. And <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out. And I really like this line, but like I'm trying to figure out like six times how like six times throughout the length of time like you know this year i stand myself and i spend another <laughs> year I stand, or is it like at the end six of that time it's just six times in a row <laughs> <laughs> from somebody that may have lived with his mother-in-law i don't know <laughs> but i really like that line Yeah, I love that part, by the way. <laughs> and you hear the squeak? Yeah. <laughs> it's good. That was a good spot. That was a good scene. Um, I had one where uh, Jack, he's talking to... Um, the other homeless guy, the the one that paraded around as the dragon, he goes, um, did you lose your mind all at once or was it slow? A gradual process. I like that one. But he's and then there's another him. one. He's holding him like, yeah, he's a, holding him like, like a, baby. a baby. He's cradling him. <laughs> it's like, this is what Jeff Bridges has like this accepted the fact that he, he, he does he's know these world. people. He, yeah, he's, he's in, in these world. people. Yeah. That's it. And then there's another scene with the, um, the punks. The 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 quintessential '90s punks. I take back um, my worst role. And, and I have to probably PC this out. So he goes, "Are you a homosexual too?" And Perry responds, "No, but I believe in fairies," <laughs> which which is which is you know it's Robin Williams, and we we know in two years he does Hook, and he <laughs> doesn't believe in fairies. So I that oh it just God. rang in my head. I loved it. Wait, is Robin Williams' character Perry actually Peter Pan? Ooh, think about it. No, he no, he's not. <laughs> we wish he was. Wait, hold on. I take back my worst role because those the punks, the two punks, essential ninety role. punks. Why do those two kids hate want to kill homeless people? Pours like, gasoline on Jeff Bridges. First, first like burn them alive. Then they're beating Robin Williams with a bat. Like they, they they didn't once, but twice went out to kill a homeless person. I think we're done with this month. Yeah. I had fun though. I always have fun. No, I had fun talking. Oh, fun talking to you guys about it. I could talk to you about crap and I'd still have a good time. 
Exactly. I've definitely heard of that movie. Yeah. That's a top three. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you soon.